Hi everyone, welcome to episode 39 of A Shot and a Goal, the podcast about hockey broadcasters. I'm Jake Baskin, and I can't believe I didn't talk about Doc Hemrick in the intro to the last episode. Granted, he did announce his retirement on October 19th, and I didn't release the next episode until November 2nd, but I should have said something, so now I will. It's going to feel really weird turning on an important hockey game and not hearing Doc's voice. This has been the case for almost my entire life. I was 8 when the lockout ended, 11 at the first Winter Classic, 13 with the Sidney Crosby goal in Vancouver. I've heard him call the Blackhawks dynasty, the Alec Martinez overtime goal, Alex Ovechkin winning his first Stanley Cup, and now it's over. For those hockey announcers born and raised in the States, he's the best at least since Lloyd Pettit, the inspiration behind the title of this podcast. And Doc may be the best ever hail from this side of the border. You can hear his influence in many of the guys who grew up listening to him, guys like Brennan Burke and Dan Duva and front of the show John Walton. So even if Doc isn't on the air anymore, his legacy is very much secure among the next generation. I'll miss him, though, and I'm eager to see how he stays involved with hockey in the future. Some personal news. I return to the air on Thursday to call the second period of my second North American Hockey League game, this one between the Northeast Generals and the Maine Nordiques. It was a fun one. I got to call two goals and use the name of this podcast in one of them, and I stayed at the same hotel as the Nordiques. I will say that I am hopefully getting a COVID test this week, just out of precaution after leaving the state of Connecticut and being in an indoor rink, so I will update you on that. Today we have a fairly short interview, the first of four I recorded over the last few weeks. The guest is John Shields, the voice of the University of Maine men's hockey team. College hockey just started up this past weekend. Hockey East starts up next week. And I was surprised when I fact-checked this that this is the first guest I've had who is currently full-time in Hockey East. John's a Maine guy, born and raised, grew up a fan of the Black Bears, and a second-generation sports broadcaster. Those are two things we haven't had very much of on a shot and a goal before, and both topics are discussed. We also discuss his broadcasting setup and how much he gets to interact with the players and coaches, at least in normal times. I had fun talking to John, and I'm glad that, at least it looks like, he's getting to return to action this week after the long time off. This is John Shields from the University of Maine on episode 39 of A Shot and a Goal. Greenway over to Doherty. Doherty comes in. Doherty, top of the circle. Shot save made. Lackey rebound. Goes to the end wall. Doherty, Fossier, center point, holding. Shot, score! The captain on senior night gets the first goal of the evening. 1-0 Maine, Mitch Fossier! Hi, and welcome to episode 39 of A Shot and a Goal, part of the On the Air podcast network. I'm Jake Baskin, back with you. Today, our first Hockey East guest, to my knowledge, from the University of Maine, John Shields. How's it going, John? Going great, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Wow, the first guy from Hockey East. There are uh, a lot of great announcers in uh, Hockey East on the men's and women's side. So hopefully you can get some uh, some of the other folks on. Yeah, I don't know what the problem is. I get a lot of ECAC guys, but <laughs> what has Corona life been like for you? 
Well, it's been uh, it's been interesting. It's been challenging. My wife works in healthcare, uh, so that's uh, that's been uh, uh, you know something that uh, has been a concern. But uh, they've you know the healthcare workers have have done a, a lot of hard work over the last several months to to help out their community. So. I'm just trying to help support her, and my full-time job is I work at uh, the radio station, the flagship station for the University of Maine Hockey uh, Network. So I've just uh, I've been working right through, and a uh, couple of kids, one in school, one not in school. So been juggling uh, school life for a second grader and <laughs> work life. So it's been it's been challenging, but we're getting by. When and why did you decide you wanted to get into broadcasting and play-by-play specifically? Well, play-by-play wasn't necessarily something that was on my mind when I first got into broadcasting. Um, uh, but sports, broad, sport, specifically sports radio, has been part of my career in game broadcast since the very first uh, day I worked in radio. Uh, actually, I'm a second-generation radio person. My father um, works works in radio and, and worked in radio when I was a child growing up, so I kind of grew up around radio. Um, he worked at a radio station in Rockland, Maine, uh, and did high school play-by-play and still does play-by-play to this day. Actually, he does the University of Maine women's basketball uh, radio feed. He's the play-by-play announcer for the UMA women's basketball team. Anyway, um, so I've always been around it. He did news and was a DJ and all those all those things, program director. And uh, when I was 15, there was the high school basketball tournament in Maine, which is a pretty big deal. And the station he worked at aired uh, a ton of games. I mean, they did a lot of tournament games. And that particular weekend, they needed somebody to just record a game. If you can imagine this, record a game and uh, play it later in the evening, a tape delay high school basketball game. This was 2000, so there, there wasn't uh, the internet like we have today. So my job that night was just to record this game from a f- telephone feed onto a reel-to-reel tape machine and then hand it over to... Um, the lady in the control room across the hall, and she would play it after her live game was over. It was supposed to be a one-off thing, just come in, hit this button, hit that button, don't touch anything else <laughs> type, type deal, you know, don't break anything. Didn't have to play commercials. They were going to add those later. But I was immediately hooked. I just uh, uh, just couldn't believe how much fun it was, just the, the, the equipment and the buttons and the lights. So I bugged my father for probably two or three months if I could get back into the studio. When can I get back into the studio? And uh, we don't need anybody. We don't need anybody. And then eventually, I must have worn him down, but they did need somebody. My first job was to board up minor league baseball. We took a feed from the Portland Sea Dogs. So talk about the best summer job ever. I sat in a little studio, played commercials while listening to, to a baseball game. It was, it was pretty great. And uh, that's kind of how my, my radio career began. Um, play-by-play didn't come for a while. Uh, I did a lot of producing the first five or six years of my career. Went to college, did some on-air stuff, but no games in college. Um I went to uh, New England School of Communications on the Hudson University campus. Didn't do any games, but I was working commercial radio. 
producing high school games and stuff like that. Uh, and then one day I kind of was just, I can't really put my finger on it, Jake, but I was like, you know, I've listened to and produced hundreds of games back here. Maybe I, maybe I could do, do play by play myself. And I'd always kind of done play by play for hanging out with friends. If it was, uh, playing wiffle ball or, you know, watching a game on TV, hitting you. I always did that, but never did any live play by play. And basketball was actually the first sport I did. How was having a dad in the business when you start out? What did you learn from him? I don't actually think I've had many previous second-generation guests. I've had Dan Kelly Jr., but I want to know what having a dad in the business is like when you're starting out. Well, it's uh, it's great. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, growing up with a dad who worked at the small-town radio station was always kind of interesting you know people would hear would say hey i heard your dad say this this morning and i had no idea what they were talking about if i hadn't had been tuned in which uh most most of those mornings when i was a kid i don't think i was listening but uh you know that was kind of interesting as a kid but getting into the business it was it was nice to uh to be able to to bounce things off of him or even when i started doing play-by-play and even to this day um sending him an audio clip or, or saying, Hey, did you get a chance to hear that game? Would you hear what you think? And he's been good. He's been, he's been very uh, willing to give me feedback <laughs> and, uh, and find the positives while also giving me tips on things I can improve on. And I think anybody who does this for, for a living, uh, there's things we can all improve on. Um, so he's been good, good that way. He's been a good objective uh, listener, I think to my stuff, which, which has been nice. But uh, I also, you know, uh, as a kid, remember traveling to games with him. I remember going to high school football games and standing over his shoulder while he called the games. That was, that was always a lot of fun too. Besides your dad, who else made an imprint on your style? Well, um, I would definitely Dan Hannigan, who had the humane hockey radio job before me, and Dan did it for over 20 years. And my first, um, uh, my, my first, you know, job working with Maine hockey on the radio was actually producing games for him. So hearing how he did the games, I've taken a lot from Dan and he's just, he's a great, great guy. Um, a tremendous broadcaster, football, hockey, uh, basketball. I mean, he could do every sport, uh, Dan. So he's definitely was a big influence on me and, 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 uh, and, uh, has been a great, uh, friend of mine with the business. Um, and Gary Thorne, who's another main guy, of course, Gary, I grew up listening to him on ESPN doing NHL games. Uh, he's a, he's one of the best ever, I think. So Gary Thorne, uh, was, was a guy I always enjoyed listening to. And he actually used to be the voice of university of Maine hockey when they first started the program in 1977. So that's kind of a funny little side note, but I think he's, he's one of the, the best hockey, uh, hockey announcers that, uh, ESPN, ESPN had back in that era. How did you get the job full-time at Maine when Dan Hannigan left? Well, I had, uh, so when I, I did basketball and some football, and then I decided I wanted to do hockey. I've always loved hockey. Um, grew up a hockey fan, but the radio stations I worked at, we never did high school hockey. It just wasn't wasn't something we did. We were very heavy on high school football and basketball. So 
uh, at that point when I decided, you know, I, I want to try hockey. I really, I really think I could do it. Uh, we were, the station I worked at, WVOM, was affiliated with UMaine, and the UMaine women's team had a video feed, but they had no announcer. So I knew the people at Maine that made the video feed get online and, you know, kind of ran that side of it. So I offered... Um, to do the UMaine women's play-by-play. And that was a great experience for me. And I think that at the time, I didn't realize how valuable that would be. But that got me on the air, um, on a video feed, doing play-by-play, getting the feel. And you could do so many games. You can watch games on TV and do game, and turn the volume down. And do it. But until you're at the rink watching the game, on the air, <laughs> there. You know, I don't think you really fully know what you're getting yourself into. So I did that for a couple seasons, and that was very beneficial and uh, and a really enjoyable experience. And then um, some things changed on the talent side and actually the TV side with the Humane uh, men's hockey team contract. They changed TV stations, so Dan, who was the radio guy, ended up doing. Uh, about seven to 10 TV games a year when they were on local TV, he would go off the radio and and do the TV broadcast. And then I had been hosting the weekly coaches show um, for a couple of years. And I uh, just said, Hey, when Dan, when Dan's over on TV, can I be on the radio? And uh, that's kind of how it happened. That, that, uh, it's just kind of how it worked out. So I did, you know, for a couple of years, I did five to seven games a year. And if there was a road game or two that Dan couldn't make, I would, uh, I'd hop in on the road for him. I think he let me go to Burlington a couple of times, which is like a six hour ride from Bangor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's kind of how it went. And then when Dan decided to, uh, to do a career change, uh, you know, I had been filling in for him for four, for four years at least. And I was able to put a, put a tape in, put my name in the, on the list and was able to get the job, which I'm thankful for. What's your setup? I'm guessing you travel with the team, but how much do you interact with the team on a day-to-day basis? And what's your relationship like with the players and coaches? And what is the travel schedule like for you? So, uh, so I've done, I've been the, the primary radio announcer for two seasons. I have no idea what this year is going to bring. <laughs> I don't think anybody does, but for the past two years, the, the kind of the setup has been um, on the road. I drive it myself. Um, so they'll leave. Usually they leave a day or two early, depending on their schedule. Um, but I'll get a rental car and, uh, and and drive myself. And from, from Bangor, I live in Bangor. The campus is in Orono, about uh, 10 miles or so north of Bangor. So it's all the same area. But, uh, you know, there's... In the league, we have three teams in Boston, BUBC, Northeastern. There's Providence, that's Rhode Island. I mean, they're all within New England. Our league is in within – everything is drivable. Um, uh, Burlington, Vermont is, like I mentioned earlier, a little bit of a, of a stretch. And uh, when we play UConn, we play, I, we've played UConn in Hartford mm-hmm. my first year which that was kind of neat to do a game in an old NHL building. Right. Uh, but th- that's the other long trip. So anything in the league I can drive to. Um, we The first year we had a couple of games out of conference on the road. We flew to Duluth. I was on the same flight as the team. But uh, they kind of travel as their unit, and I travel separately as, uh, as the radio 
announcer. On the road, I'm up by myself. A couple of times, our TV analyst, Mike Tool, has hopped in. I picked him up, and he's ridden with me to, to, to road games, which has been great to have him on the road when, when he's able to do that. As far as my relationship with uh, with the program, um, I do I still do a weekly show with Coach uh, Gendron. Coach Brett Gendron is, is the head coach of Maine. Uh, we do a weekly show. It's been Tuesday or Wednesday nights the past couple of years, depending on the schedule. I think last year was Tuesday. Uh, so we do that. Uh, so we get to interview him for, for an hour. We have players on. Um, before every game, I, I interview him. We go down to his office at home or the locker room on the road and do a pregame interview with him. But really good relationship with him. You know, if there's anything I ever need or questions I have, he's very accommodating and and uh, willing to answer answer my questions. As for the players, outside of the show, when they're guests on the show, so usually the format for the weekly show uh, is Coach Gendron for a couple segments, and then we have two or three player guests. They each get a segment, chance to talk about themselves, what they've been doing, you know, if they've played a, if they've had any uh, highlights recently, we'll talk about those. Outside of that, pretty much leave the players alone. Game day, I don't like to talk to the players because they're in the zone getting ready to do their thing. Um, if we have a media day during the week, sometimes we'll do a media day on Wednesday. I might go up and talk to the captain or a couple of the guys that I want to highlight in my broadcast. But that's pretty much what it's limited to. I talk to them at a media opportunity or, uh, or the show. I actually went to the main game this year in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, oh, which no is way. right nearby. <laughs> Yeah, not a very large crowd there, but yeah, I was there too. Yeah, well, I know it's not a very large crowd there. That's why I went. Easy tickets to get. Hockey East is one of college hockey's marquee conferences, certainly the most marquee in the East, and sends numerous players to the NHL. Who are some of the players, both for Maine and otherwise, that you've seen before they made it big? Well, for Maine, there's been a there's been a lot of fun ones to watch over the years. Of course, when I was a kid, Paul Correa, that was kind of got main hockey uh, for my in, in my fandom on the map. Paul Correa, Jim Montgomery, who's now uh, back. He's going to be assistant coach for the Blues next year. But uh, when those guys were uh, playing for Maine 93, when they won their first national title as a kid, uh, that got me excited to be a, a, a Black Bear fan in the state of Maine. They, they had a couple of goaltenders on that team, Mike Dunham, Garth Snow, who went on to have NHL careers. But players I broadcast, um, Gustav Nyquist, mm-hmm. who's had a nice NHL career. It was fun to watch him in Detroit. Now he's in Columbus. Um, he was always a, a great uh, player to interview. Very, very accommodating with his time. But he's been fun to see. Devin Shore was a player at Maine who's who's been in the NHL. Uh, always liked talking to Devin, too. Goaltender-wise, Ben Bishop was their goalie when I first started covering the team. Um, and that was kind of fun to watch. It's been kind of fun to watch him through his NHL career. But, uh, yeah, Bish was at Maine when, when I first started uh, as kind of doing features and, and, and interviews. A couple of guys off the top of my head there uh, that, that, that I could think of. But Maine's had, had, a, had a long list of, of guys go to the NHL. Uh, around Hockey East, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the teams in the league, like Maine, have NHL draft picks. That's always kind of a fun thing to, to highlight. Um, but uh, I can't think of anybody specifically outside of Maine that uh, that uh, I was really looking forward to see seeing play. But there's been a lot of them. 
One thing about the University of Maine, and I mean no disrespect to any of their other programs, but during the winter, it always gives off the impression that hockey is the key sport there. Is there something to being at a school where during the winter season, like people are always talking about hockey? Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's fun. It's it's great that they're a popular program. Uh, I, and, uh, and I can see how you might think that outside looking in, but I will tell you that uh, the University of Maine and Maine sports fans in general are are very loyal. And we've got some programs at the University of Maine that are a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the men's hockey team, of course, is the one that gets uh, a lot of uh, publicity, but uh, the UMaine women's basketball team, won the America East Championship a couple of years in a row. They were in the final this year. Unfortunately, they couldn't play it because the coronavirus canceled that championship game. But they've been to the NCAA Women's Tournament. They have they draw uh, a lot of fans to watch those games. That's that's always a fun time to go to a UMaine women's basketball game. They've, they have some amazing fans. The men's basketball team is on the upswing. They've got um, a coach who's doing some great things there, Richard Barron. I mean, not to talk about all the programs. The football team is uh, – Yeah, I knew football was big. In regards to the Corona wiping out an NCAA tournament run, I feel that all too well. I went to Hofstra University for a couple of years. I'm still somewhat loyal to them, and they were going to make the NCAA basketball tournament for the first time since Jay Wright was their coach, and then boom, Corona hit. Yeah, and you know, for I think the UMaine men's team, they were they were we were geared up to uh, go on what could have been a nice run. I think you're never going to convince me otherwise. Jeremy Swayman in that. I'm looking forward to talking about players going to the NHL. I'm really looking forward to watching Jeremy Swayman's NHL career as it unfolds over the next uh, decade plus. I mean, he's, he's a tremendous individual and it's going to be fun to watch him with the Bruins and uh, in the NHL. But a main was set to host UConn in the opening round of the hockey East playoffs and uh, could have made a, could have made a run at the one of being one of the sixteen teams, so we'll never know. But yeah, Maine, Maine hockey fans are great. They're 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 loyal. They're passionate. Um, they're committed to the program. And a lot of times when we travel around the league, there are more Maine jerseys in the stands than the opposing teams. Um, so you know, Maine Maine travels really well. They've got a great support system. Yeah, Maine is a lot of fans in Connecticut. I guess this is because their billboards will advertise their tuitions the same as any in-state school here. (laughs) I'll get you out soon, I promise. But a lot of people bounce around from place to place in this business, and you've managed to stick around in your home state for your entire career. I know before the pandemic hit, I was looking forward to traveling the country, but now for me, the prospect of never leaving the Northeast is looking a lot more appealing. Have you enjoyed that you've been able to be in the same place this entire time? Yes. Yeah, I love the state of Maine. Uh, you know, I've got a young family. This is a great place to, to raise kids. My wife is from Maine. She loves it here, too. Um, you know, I've worked for some of the radio stations I work at. I've, uh, You know, the, the radio station that I did that the first game for, I recorded on tape 20 years ago. I That is one of the radio stations I still run. Uh, as a program director. So I'm still with the same group of stations I started with, and it's a tremendous thing and something I'm very, very thankful for. And so, yeah, I I love the state of Maine, Um, really love this business, and uh, it's been been a great run. And, you know, doing the University of Maine men's hockey uh, radio broadcasts has also been 
uh, a lot of fun for me and something I'm very fortunate to do and something I look forward to doing for many, many years to come. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, I want to stay in the Northeast. I want to stay in Maine specifically. I have no desire to, to, to leave here. I'm not sure the coronavirus changed that for me, but I, I can see your, what you're saying for sure. You know, my thing is I want to work in, I want to go through the minors and work through whatever professional sport gets me to it. But, you know, if I'm working in Hartford or New Haven for the rest of my life, I think this has really opened my eyes that, yeah, this is fine with me. Well, if it's something that you love doing, then uh, that's, that's, that's half the battle right there. All right, John, I will let you go. I know your kid has practice. Good thing the rinks are open. I know there are a couple states in New England where the rinks are not open. Have fun and have a great rest of your day, and I'll try and get this interview out soon. All right. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, the rinks are open. We're wearing masks, being safe, but uh, trying to get out there on the ice a little bit. That was John Shields, radio voice of the Maine Black Bears. Thanks to him for coming on. I really wonder how well college hockey is going to fare this year. There have already been some casualties. RIT, the entire Ivy League, Alaska Anchorage, which will probably end their run as a program, and as I am recording this on Sunday night, Maine's Hockey East foe, Vermont, has delayed the start of their season until December 18th. So not all of this is going smoothly right now. I understand this is just one more example of a larger trend in college, and really all sports because of the pandemic, but I wonder if there will be more who bail as the season progresses. I know in D3, where I work, we're probably not having much of anything. That'll do it for episode 39 of A Shot and a Goal. You can follow me on Twitter at JakeBaskinPXP. We return to the AHL next time with Cameron Close, the voice of the Ontario Reign, the affiliate of the LA Kings. After that, Justin Sulpico and Ryan Vallon, and more to come later on. I will see you next week. (laughs) 